that is season five, episode 27 of JV to the Pros. I'm your host, Jack Vecchio, and we're going to get into a real big show because I I heard it from several people about how last week's show was kind of short. But yeah, here's the deal. Played nine games of baseball in six days and then traveled back from Phoenix to San Diego. And of course, the unpacking and laundry and everything else. So yeah, it was only a 35-minute show. And the show should be about 45 minutes to an hour. Ooh, you lost out on 10 minutes. Get over it, okay? I mean, it's not that big a deal, you know? Just kind of nut it up and deal with it. That's it. I mean, come on. Is it really that tough? That was easy. Yeah, exactly. So we've got a lot of show to do, but I'll tell you what, I'm amazed at how many brutal, rotten, heartless crimes have been committed. And, you know, I was trying to steer away from Florida, but Florida Florida came up with something. <laughs> Florida, I'll get to Florida in a little bit, but I'm going to talk about some really awful awful heartless crimes that have been committed in the last month or so and um i'm just i'm 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 amazed uh, we're also going to talk about um we'll talk a little bit about the the world baseball championships that um uh, i just got back from and speaking of baseball we're going to talk about a major league baseball pitcher who has now been charged with murder and attempted murder so I, I don't know if, if the attempted murder was his first effort. And then he went on to somebody else and said, okay, now I know what I did wrong. You know, it's kind of like correcting a pitch. But, um, but yeah, this guy actually is pretty well known amongst people that play baseball. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what went wrong. But um, I'm also, I also want to talk about um, Mark Davis, the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders and the Las Vegas Aces. And Mark is gaining my respect and my admiration week to week. And wait till I tell you what he did last week. Now, I mean, I have to admit, this guy is kind of an odd looking dude. He cuts his own hair. It's kind of a bowl cut. He looks a little bit like Mo from the Three Stooges, but he's quite the businessman. And he managed to get his franchise moved from Oakland out to Las Vegas. So, I mean, he must be doing something right. But I'll tell you what, when you go around Vegas, everybody is associated with the Raiders, the official car dealership of the Raiders, the official mattress company of the Raiders, the official casino of the Raiders. Everything, I mean, and yeah, he's drawn money from all of it. So he may be actually a better businessman than his dad, Al. And Al... Al made billions with a B, billions. And so Mark, wait till I tell you what he did last week because, you know, he's paying attention to what's going on and he wants to be a winner. Um, I'm also going to talk uh, about the recap of week nine in the NFL. And one team in particular, my team, is going to get kicked in the teeth pretty often and pretty hard by this host because there's only so much you can take. Then we're going to get on to the predictions for uh, week 10 in the NFL. I'm also going to, I might as well just tell you right now, uh, you guys know that I'm in a, a national office pool 
and I dropped out of the number one spot after being there for like seven weeks in a row. And then, ta-da! I was in the running to win the pool again this week. And ironically, producer Karen, the producer of this show, won the pool this week. And I came up like a game short or something, or two games short. Uh, I needed the Monday night game, and I don't want to get started on the Jets and Chargers game just yet. But um, <clears throat> anyway, you can probably guess where I went. And um, although producer Karen roots with her heart, she bet with her brain, and uh, she picked correctly. So let's get into some of these. Uh, let's get some of these horrible, awful stories out of the way as quickly as possible. And an area of Longmeadow, Massachusetts. Now, Longmeadow, Massachusetts, two juveniles have been charged after several slides at a Massachusetts park were doused with acid. Four children were injured, and the Hampton District Attorney, Anthony Galuni, is saying he's going after these kids. The juveniles whose identities cannot be released due to the fact that their juveniles have been charged with four counts of assault and battery on a child with injury and assault and battery with a dangerous weapon as well as vandalism. And Galuni said that his office um, didn't want to let anybody know whether or not the kids are in custody but they are charging them, and they are going to try to charge them as adults. Now, um, they made a collective effort to charge those that they believe are responsible, and they should make it clear that protecting the community's children is among their highest priority, blah, 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 blah. That's just what they need to say because they're going to turn around and go after these kids. Now, now whether... You know, this was a threat, a harm, a cause. It might have been a prank or maybe they were trying to do some idiotic thing on TikTok. Anyway, four kids got hurt. And the reason this story caught my eye is because I live about um, three or four miles from an area called Sunset Cliffs, Point Loma in San Diego. And a few years ago, um, a couple of druggies decided they would embed razors on the children's slide now no kid when they see a slide is sitting there thinking let me inspect this thing but they in, they embedded these razors into the slide so that when the kids slid down the slide they'd be all chopped up by the grace of the universe whatever you want to call it somebody noticed the razors and immediately contacted the police so no kids slid down these slides. And I think an arrest was made in that case of somebody with mental health issues. Again, mental health issues. Now I have pointed out many times that the mental health issue in this country was never as bad as it's gotten since the mid to late 80s and into the 90s. And in great part, that is because one of the first things Ronald Reagan did when he became president 
is start setting himself up for re-election, and he wanted the economy to look better than it was. So he pulled all the mental health funding, all of that money was pulled out of the system because he wanted that money back in the system, and he said that society will absorb these damaged and and uncontrollable people. Well, society hasn't absorbed them, and these people are actually multiplying, and these problems are getting worse and worse. And shame on the Republican Party, shame on the Democratic Party. Everybody knew what path they had gone down when they made this deal with the devil to make the economy look better than it was. And sure, in the 80s, it looked like we were prospering, but there was a beast about to be awoken. And once it, once these mental health people, you know, that needed monitoring, they needed to be medicated, they needed to be kept under control, they needed to be looked after, they needed to be put in facilities, all of that money was taken out of the system to make the American economy to look better than it was. Well, you know, we're paying the price now because inflation is out of control. The economy is just going nuts. Um, more and more people are taking on second and third jobs to stay afloat. Groceries, basic necessities are just getting out of reach for people and we're not doing anything to turn this around. So I say shame on Ronald Reagan in particular. He's regarded as one of the best presidents. Yes, that's true. Regarded as one of the best presidents because we were flourishing under Reagan because Reagan took all of those billions of dollars out of the system and let these people just run wild. And it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. So we've got a serious mental health issue in this country and surely nobody is going to sit there and say hey let's reverse this nobody is going to risk their political career nobody is going to commit political suicide by saying hey we need this money back in the system in order to keep this under control well i don't know what the deal is with these kids and frankly i know that we do stupid things as children Dousing a slide with acid so that kids will get hurt is just unbelievable. And yeah, I got to turn to the parents and say, okay, where did you go wrong? Where did you go wrong? <sighs> that, that story really bothered me because it resonated with the fact that the slide only a couple of miles from me was embedded with razors. So I was like, okay, why why would you go after innocent children for your own kicks? Anyway, that's that's we're going to we're going to just kind of you know, we're going to have to leave that to the authorities to see what ends up happening with these juveniles and if they're going to be tried as adults. So that's that's one of the stories that's really bothering me this week. And now here's another one. The next story I wanted to talk to you about is a story out of, I think it's Louisiana. And um, 
Joseph Washington Sr. allegedly was leaving the home he had just set ablaze, <clears throat> excuse me, with his three young children inside. Now, this is a 29-year-old father in Louisiana. He was arrested for allegedly killing his three young children by setting fire to his home immediately after threatening to burn the place down. Joseph Washington Sr. was taken into custody this week and charged with three counts of second-degree murder, three counts of second-degree cruelty to a juvenile, and one count of aggravated arson. Now, according to the press release from the New Orleans Police Department, a woman identified as the woman as the child's mother called 911 at about 11:50, so it's almost midnight, 11:55 p.m. and told emergency dispatch that the father of her three children was threatening to burn down their home in the 7th district in Louisiana. The children who were 3 five and eight were all killed in this blaze. The caller said, speaking of Washington, that he, quote, is going crazy. And would you please hurry? <sighs> she reportedly said that he had threatened to burn the house down with the kids inside. He's screaming on the phone. I heard the kids screaming. You'll all have to break through the door. And, and moments later, the fire department was reported to the was reported to attend, go to the same residence. And units with the New Orleans Fire Department arrived about 20 minutes later, and um, they found the house completely engulfed in flames. Firefighters got the eight five eight and five year olds out of the home and took them to a local hospital, but they died about an hour later. The three year old never made it out of the home. Police say the home was intentionally set ablaze following a dom domestic dispute between Washington and his wife. You know, I'm 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 stuttering a little because this is actually infuriating to me that 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 somebody in, involved in a domestic dispute would turn around and, and take it out on the children like this. It's just um, unbelievable. Anyway, um, they found him pretty quickly. Um, he had tried to submerge his car in the Mississippi River, and he was not in the vehicle. He wanted people to think he was dead. And apparently he got into another vehicle and they found him driving east on Interstate 610. He was arrested after a traffic stop when he got out and tried to flee by jumping off an overpass. He was taken to a hospital before being booked into jail. The coward. The absolute coward. Washington's father, Troy McDonald, implored his son to turn himself in. And the father of Washington said, if I catch him, I'm going to kill him. I mean, this is just absolutely insane, insane stories in the news. And apparently it's not that uncommon when people lose their mind during a domestic dispute to turn around and strike at the thing that's most valuable to the other person. 
and this doesn't this isn't just men doing this to get back at women women have i've done stories on this show about women that have done horrific things to their own children because the father got custody of the children because she wasn't mentally sound and the kids would not be in a safe place with her and so she decides well if if I can't have my kids, I'm going to kill the kids and nobody's going to have them. I, I just, you know, I'm going to get this stuff out of the way and then, you know, we're going to talk about um, some other stuff. Um, the last story is uh, Danny Serafini. And um, those of us that play baseball and follow baseball, they know Danny, and he's a former professional baseball player, and he was arrested in connection with the deadly 2021 shooting of his father-in-law and attempted murder of his mother-in-law in California. Again, it's a domestic thing, and so he's killed the father-in-law. The, he attempted to kill the mother-in-law. <sighs> they announced the arrest of 49-year-old Danny Serafini along with 33-year-old Samantha Scott following a lengthy two-year investigation into the murder of 70-year-old Robert Gary Spore and attempted murder of 68-year-old Wendy Wood. The sheriff's office said in a news release that both suspects are known to each other and to the victims. Serafini is married to one of the elderly couple's daughters, Spohr and Wood were his in-laws. It was not immediately clear what connection Scott may have had with the family. Scott is the female companion. Serafini and Scott were arrested Friday morning in Nevada. They're both set to be extradited to Placer County. Where charges were not immediately announced. But the county sheriff said that today justice was served. I don't think there's any way justice can be claimed to have been served when you have someone who killed his father-in-law. This guy is dead. There's no, there's no penalty. You know, even the death penalty doesn't bring back. It just there, there, there's, 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 there's a modicum of justice. There's an attempt at justice. There's an attempt at retrieval of, of trying to make the family whole again. But, you know, once you've committed murder, there's no turning back. That's, that's, that's it. So Danny Serafini used to be a Major League Baseball player and is now in custody. And um, he will be tried for murder and attempted murder. And um, I don't, you know, again, this is one of those domestic violence things and uh i don't i don't know what the deal is but uh that would make him want to kill his in-laws i mean these people are 70 and 68 years old a combined age of 138 i mean what you know anyway so um okay now i was looking for a kind of a funny story because i've been watching a lot of these uh videos of um, just open range and um, just snakes, you know, just devouring much larger animals and um, 
Uh, I saw a thing with a bullfrog, and he was surrounded by three scorpions, and the bullfrog ended up eating all three of them. And the last one was like, okay, he was trying to get away. Like you can tell, he was like, oh, oh, I see the problem. He's really good at this. So the final, <laughs> the final um, scorpion, after he saw his two buddies getting eat, he was like, uh-oh. <laughs> so... I just sit there and I go, okay, <laughs> it is time to go. So um, this is the story out of Florida. And I'm going to read it as it appeared online. For the last four decades, invasive Burmese python snakes have terrorized mammals and the greater ecosystem of the Everglades National Park in South Florida. Now, a recent study shows what is biting back. The Southeast Asian apex predator can grow up to 19 feet long and weigh more than 150 pounds, and it will eat everything from rabbits to deer. The pythons and their appetites are also blamed for the disappearance of of almost all fur-bearing animals in the Everglades and the surrounding areas. A new study by the U.S. Geological Survey and partner organizations in Florida studied the deaths of 19 baby Burmese pythons from May 21st, May 2021 to February 2022 to see how this part of the python population might meet its fate. Burmese pythons are they're difficult to track or monitor, according to Mark Sandfoss, biologist at Fort Collins Science Center stationed in Everglades National Park. But studies like this prove data points to fill in the gaps of their life cycle. It takes a lot of time and effort to collect data on a python. Okay, now we need more information. Burmese pythons have destroyed native populations for decades. Now, the Burmese pythons, they're native to Southeast Asia. They were imported to Florida to be sold to pet owners and were likely released or just escaped because the owners live in Florida. So I'm sure outsmarting them wasn't that tough for these pythons. They established a wild population in the 1980s. And according to the study and Sandvoss, they said they can grow to be 19 feet long and weigh more than 150 pounds. Since then, they have wreaked havoc on the natural environment in Florida, eating everything in its path. Well, Python's diets have drastically cut the populations of Everglades area mammals, raccoons, possum, bobcat. They've all dropped 85 to 99% in that area. And rabbits and foxes have effectively disappeared. Humans may be the one predator of the python, but the recent USGS study shows that there are more, at least for the babies. Juvenile Burmese pythons were opportunistically collected throughout 
more than a year, they were implanted with high-frequency radio transmitters, equipped with mortality sensors, and notified researchers when the snake stopped moving for 24 hours straight. During the length of the study, 19 baby snakes died. At that point, scientists would go to the scene of the crime and conduct some de de detective work to discover the cause of death. Here's what they found. These Burmese pythons died from alligators. Three died from carnivorous mesomammals. These are small mammals in the Big Cypress National Preserve, though the prints nearby often belong to f feline varieties. So seven deaths were, quote unquote, attributed. In some cases, the transmitter was found without any trace of the python. <laughs> Three died from Florida cottonmouth snakes. One died from eating an animal that was simply too big for them. Okay. So what Florida has decided would be a good solution would be to get a whole bunch more alligators into the area to eat the snakes. Now, I don't think they've thought this out. <laughs> so, so they've got this one problem with the, with the pythons, right? Okay, so there's the problem. We're going to get rid of that problem, and we're going to just inundate the area with alligators. And alligators eat the pythons. And then you're going to have a buttload of alligators all over the place that eat not just the pythons, but other things. So people are going to be losing their dogs, etc., to these alligators in the area. So, <laughs> so, so, so what's next? You just keep going until, like, you know, you got people in Florida scratching their head going, uh, is, uh, is Bigfoot real? Because we may need to get him because we just keep, they just keep getting bigger and bigger. Predators. <laughs> and instead of handling this thing by, you know, making it impossible for them to reproduce or, you know, somehow chemically, you know, altering the population, they're gonna they're gonna fill the area with alligators and then <laughs> I mean and, and I'll tell you what, I'm I'm doing this story and I'm looking at the news story online and one of the pictures has like an 11 or 12 foot long python all tangled up. But this thing is about the size of my thigh around. And as you know, I'm a pitcher. I've got some pretty good sized thighs. And this guy has crawled up to the python <laughs> With, with his camera phone. <laughs> and he's like 18 inches away from, he hasn't even done the math on how long the snake is and how far out it can snap and bite. <laughs> he just wanted a picture. <laughs> so the picture I'm looking at has biologist Ian S. Easterling Sneaking up, sneaking up. He has no idea the 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 sense the senses of of a python. <laughs> I mean, the python actually smells with their tongue, 
And that's why the tongue is constantly coming out of them. I don't even want to get into it, having to explain it to this guy. But, um, <laughs> but, um, boom. <laughs> so they're going to just turn around, fill the area with alligators, and then deal with the alligators after the fact. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's just me or I'm just smarter than everybody else. But as far as Florida's future, I, I mean, frankly, I would like to see more people on like, like from Florida on game shows. That would, I mean, you put a whole bunch of people from Florida on the, and then a couple of guys from like the Northeast. And then as they eliminate people from Florida, it'll be just like, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> I'm just, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that that, that, that's, ah, anyway. So I am gonna, (laughs) Ah! (laughs) so now we're going to get into some of the games that went on last week in the NFL. We're going to talk about uh, week nine of the NFL. And we're going to see how this goes because week nine in the NFL. Okay, first of all, I did very well. Once again, I was up near 75, 80% picking the winners. On the Thursday night game, Pittsburgh and Tennessee, and they were involved in a barn burner. And this game came right down to the final minute of the game. But Pittsburgh managed to pull it out 20-16. to So Pittsburgh is showing flashes of brilliance here and there. And then all of a sudden, they'll lose a game that everybody says, oh, no, that's a lock. They're going to win this game. Now, I want to point out something Um, I thought that KC was hosting Miami and KC was the home team at Arrowhead. So I picked KC, not realizing the game was in Germany. It was the first NFL game to be played in Germany. But technically, KC was the home team. Now, let me tell you what happened in this game. KC drops 21 on Miami in the first Half. So it's 21 nothing in the first half. Then Miami comes out in the second half and they st- they score two touchdowns, makes it a one score game. It's 21 14. Now, most people are bypassing the fact that Miami, Miami held KC to zero, zero points in the whole second half. Miami scores 14, and they had a real shot at tying this thing up. And Casey got a little lucky and put the game away. So here's the deal with Miami. People keep thinking, oh, Miami is so good. Miami Miami has lost to every team with a winning record. All of their wins have been 
to teams with losing records. So yeah, they're really good at beating bad teams, but when it comes to beating a team with a winning record, Miami hasn't beaten one team with a winning record yet. So KC has a winning record and Miami lost to KC. Simple as that. Here's an interesting game between Minnesota and Atlanta. Minnesota lost Kirk Cousins last week to a torn Achilles. So he's out for the rest of the year. So they bring in Jaron Hall. Not the Jaron Hall from my TV show, not my producer, not my producer from my movies and stuff. No, his name is Jaron Hall. And almost immediately, Jaron Hall goes out with a concussion. So they go to this guy Dodds, and Dodds has no idea the playbook, has no idea the name of his teammates. He knows some nicknames, but he doesn't know who the nicknames go to. And Dodds decides to play street ball in the huddle. He doesn't know the playbook. He just got there a couple of days ago. He hasn't even figured out where the restrooms are yet in the, in the, in the stadium. So there they are. They go to Atlanta to play the Falcons. And the Falcons are thinking, okay, this is a slam dunk. And Dodds ends up calling plays in the huddle where he says, okay, you go out about eight yards and then make a left. And then you do a hook. And I don't know your name, but are you a tight end or a wide receiver? Are you a tight end? Okay, do a little slant over the middle. And if I can't find those two, I'll look for you. And he calls the game that way, and he spends the whole game playing street ball like we used to as kids. And Dodds ends up leading Minnesota to the win over Atlanta, and they beat Atlanta 31-28 in Atlanta, which was a shock because now you're not, you don't have Kirk Cousins, you don't have Jaron Hall, and you bring in this guy that you just signed like 72 hours earlier, and the guy hasn't even gotten a chance to look at the playbook. Well, congratulations to Dodds because he, 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 you may be the new starting quarterback from Minnesota, at least for the rest of this season. And who knows? I mean, you may get picked up by another team after Kirk comes back. I mean, you're clearly a starting quarterback. All right, Baltimore, I said it, I called it. I called the Pittsburgh game, I called the KC game. I did not call the Minnesota game, nobody saw that coming. But I called the Baltimore game and I said, you know, Baltimore is cooking. Seattle having to go to Baltimore to play. Seattle doesn't travel east very well. And Seattle ended up getting just getting their teeth handed to them. Baltimore beat Seattle 37-3. to Seattle traveled cross-country to score three points. Baltimore crushed Seattle. I don't even know why Seattle kicked a field goal. If you're losing 37, if, you, if the other team has 30 points, a, a, a field goal is not going to do you anything it, it, oh, oh, you didn't get shut out. Good for you. You pretty much got shut out. Now, speaking of shutouts, I said Cleveland is going to be hosting Arizona. Arizona is not that good, and Cleveland's defense is considered to be 
the best in football. And they're one notch above the Jets' defense. But don't worry, I'm going to get to the Jets. They're going to get smacked around pretty good. So Cleveland hosts Arizona in Cleveland. And Arizona got on the plane, got suited up, got warmed up, played football, and scored zero points. Cleveland beat Arizona 27 to nothing. And Arizona had the same amount of points when they left Cleveland as when they got there. Now, I did not have a lot of love for Jordan Love. And Jordan Love was hosting the Rams and Stafford. Stafford was not going to be playing. So he is benched. And Green Bay ends up beating the Rams 20 to 3. 20 to 3. I mean, ah. Oh my goodness. Now, good for Green Bay. Congratulations to Jordan Love after like three losses in a row. You got yourself into the win column. Now, the next game I'm going to talk about is C.J. Stroud and his Houston Texans were hosting Tampa Bay. Well, Baker Mayfield made a game of it late. I mean, these these two teams dropped 70 on the, on the scoreboard together. And Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay is up 37-32. And Houston, with C.J. Stroud leading the way, Houston had about 30 seconds left in the game, down 37-32, which means Houston needs a touchdown. And C.J. Stroud marched him down the field, and the Texans end up winning the game 39-37. Amazing. Remarkable. C.J. Stroud, he's a stud. I mean, that guy, that guy's got game. Now... I thought Washington was going to crush New England, and they didn't. They barely beat New England in Foxborough. Now, New England has two wins this year, one against Buffalo on a late-game comeback and one against my Jets. They have not beaten anybody out of their own division, and the NFC's Washington Commanders went into Foxborough and just edged out New England by a field goal 20 to 17. But I still think Mac Jones is just not all that. I did say New Orleans would be hosting Chicago. And I thought New Orleans was probably going to drop 40 on Chicago. But that didn't happen. It turned out to be a one score game, a one score final. 24 17. New Orleans beat Chicago 24 17. And I'm pretty impressed with the fact that Chicago hung in there the way they did. And New Orleans should have put them away early. Indy goes to Carolina. Now, Carolina has one win. One uno win. And Indy pretty much manhandled Carolina beating them 27 to 13. And I don't think the score reflects how lopsided that game was. 
Now, the New York football giants went to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. And Las Vegas... Now, before I tell you the final score, Mark Davis, the son of Al Davis, the longtime owner of the Oakland Raiders, moved the team to Las Vegas. I mean, he has done incredible things making Las Vegas his town. That stadium right off the freeway is something from another planet. Well, last week, the players expressed that Josh McDaniels is making it difficult for anybody to be able to maximize their ability on the football field. He's trying to act like a dictator, and I don't know that you need tater in the way they describe Josh McDaniels, but they just said, look, you know, everything he's doing, everything he's saying is putting putting us down. He's not being encouraging. He's being discouraging. Well, Mark Davis... After the loss last week that the Raiders suffered, walked into the locker room in front of the entire coaching staff, in front of the entire team, and fired Josh McDaniels, and then fired the offensive coordinator, and then fired the defensive coordinator, and fired the special teams coach. He literally went in there and fired $8 million worth of coaches all at once. And yeah, he's on the hook for their salaries, but he didn't care. He'd had enough. The team could not play under these conditions, and it was time to go. So he put an interim coach in there, former New York Giant, yeah. And Pierce goes and does exactly the opposite of the way McDaniels had been coaching that team. And Pierce is going to go face his old New York Giants team in Las Vegas, well, Las Vegas ended up winning 30-6, to 30-6, to six, crushed the Giants. And I'm thinking he might not be the interim coach. He might be the Raiders' new coach. Now, the big, big, big game of the week was the two powerhouses in the NFC East, the two powerhouses of the NFC, Philadelphia, hosting Dallas, and this game went back and forth. This game came down to inches. There was a fourth and goal in which Dallas wanted the touchdown, and they came up three inches short because the receiver's knee went down just before he brought the ball across the goal line. Well, on a two-point conversion, which would have made this game a field goal game, Dak Prescott stepped out of bounds accidentally on an end-around keeper. And the two-point conversion wasn't good. So what would have been a 28-25 game, it would have made it a field goal game, became a 28-23 game, which meant that Dallas was going to have to score a touchdown if they're going to win the game. Well, Philadelphia managed to hold them on a turnover of downs as the clock ran out, and Philadelphia beat Dallas in a real exciting classic, incredible matchup between Philadelphia and Dallas, and Philadelphia won 28-23. Now, Joe Burrow was hosting Buffalo, and this is the first time that Buffalo has been back to Cincinnati since the DeMar Hamlin incident where he almost died on the field. 
So DeMar Hamlin, by the way, DeMar Hamlin, yes, tremendous story that he survived, that he, that he, he basically would have died on the field if not for the first responders in the house that saved his life. But the fact is, if you're not getting better, if you're not improving in the NFL every day, every week, every month, then you're getting worse. And DeMar Hamlin had time off for months while he recovered, and he hasn't played this year. And frankly, I think the Buffalo Bills are keeping him around long enough for this whole thing to pass over before they cut him because I don't think it would be good for public relations to cut him. And I think Hamlin knows he's getting cut because they have not made him eligible to play this year. So Cincinnati is now hosting Buffalo once again in Cincinnati. And I said, there's something wrong with Buffalo. There's just something wrong with them. Well, Buffalo had a late score in this game, but it didn't do them any good because Cincinnati ends up winning by one score, granted, one score, 24-18, beat Buffalo 24-18, but Buffalo scored late and now and, and by the way, and Buffalo went for two when it was 24-16. They went for two so that they knew they could win on a touchdown. <sighs> now we're going to get to the Monday night game between the Los Angeles Chargers and my New York Jets. Now, I have said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Zach Wilson looked like he was he was playing in a situation that's way above his pay grade. And I understand he's getting paid a lot of money. I understand that. But the fact is, consistently, Zach Wilson could not read the defense. He couldn't feel the pressure. He couldn't tell the pocket was closing. He couldn't tell when it was time to run for a first down and slide. He kept dumping the ball off for very little yardage. And then he was missing guys. And he kept throwing into double coverage. Zach, if you throw into double coverage, that okay, both teams have 11 guys on the field. If one guy has double coverage, it means somebody else is open. It means somebody else is not covered. You don't throw into double coverage. You don't consistently do that. And it didn't it didn't help the fact that the Chargers returned a punt for 87 yards for a touchdown. And I mean, I don't want to get into all the things that went wrong, but the Jets could not have shot themselves in the foot any more often than they did. And usually when the Jets win, they win in spite of Zach Wilson. They win even though they've got to deal with Zach Wilson. But Aaron Rodgers said it really well, and you could read his lips after the second drive where the Jets were three and out, and Aaron Rodgers said, what was that? You can read his lips. What He said to Zach, what was that? Because you got to just be able to survey the field. And it just seems like Zach Wilson is overwhelmed. It seems like he's in sensory overload back there. And... He just, he just constantly looks like the guy in algebra class that doesn't have the answer. 
And when you're in the pocket, you move the ball around because guys are sitting there saying the ball was right there. I'll swat at it when I get to him. And Zach just leaves. He's like a statue back there. And yeah, they're going to. Zach had three fumbles lost last night. He had like six sacks. Joey Bosa was having a feeling. Joey Bosa is the size of a Chevy. How do you lose track of him? He's coming in on your front side. He's not coming in on the blind side. He's in front of you. How do you miss Joey Bosa? I mean, seriously. He's he's like one of those big sheds you, you build yourself. And he's coming in all the time. How do you lose track of the fact that the defensive line is coming for you? I, I just... You know, it, 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 when I was watching Zach Wilson get sacked last night at one point, it almost looked like it was slow motion. And I was watching it with my Jets fans' friends and at the Jets bar that I go to, and we were having a great time. And I decided to do a voiceover on the replay as they showed Zach Wilson getting taken down and pulled over Joey Bosa. And I was like, okay, He's got him. He's taking him down. No, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't have any milk money. I don't have any milk. No, I don't have any milk money. I can't give you any milk, but I don't have it. He just looked like he was being bullied. You know, I mean, it, Robert Sala has got to take a stand. He has been backing Zach Wilson all year long, and it's got to come to an end. It's got to stop. You can't sit there and, and, and defend this kind of play you can't absolutely can't do this because it's just going to hurt the team i just can't advocate sala sitting there and saying oh no he's good yeah <clears throat> okay he might have an arm but you know what i have an arm too i can throw a football 50 yards and i can throw a football accurately but i am aware when people are coming in to, to smash into me and to take the ball away from me. I'm aware of what's going on. Part of your job as a quarterback is to be aware of where every single person on the field is, not just where your receivers are. He seems to be paying attention to just one or two receivers. And the other thing he does is when he's got his number one receiver, instead of letting the guy run his pattern and then having the ball meet him, at the open spot, he's staring at the guy. And so the defense, they're not going to cover anybody else. Everybody's going to go crowd Garrett Wilson or whoever he's planning on throwing to. I just, I don't understand how Sala is going to sit there and say, oh yeah, you know, we're staying with this guy. This is our guy. I don't, I don't get it. You know, I just can't see that Sala, you know, can stay with. And we've got Pat Boyle. On the sidelines, who's very good? Pat Boyle is very, very good. And I don't understand why, you know, it's just, huh, I just, I don't get it. I just don't get it. You know what I mean? So I, I, if, if it's me, yeah, you might be paying him a lot of money. It's time to bench him. It's time to just take his helmet away and sit him down. I mean, it's just... You know, he's, he's, he's sitting down anyway, but he's doing it on the field and the defense is sitting him down. I just, I mean, gosh, you know, and, and this week we had some good games in, in, in the NFL and we had some games that were horrifically insulting. I mean, just horrible. You know, you, you look at um, 
You look at Seattle, Arizona, and L.A. Now, those three teams all traveled by plane to get to their games. The whole team, the, the, the equipment, everything. is, And they scored Seattle, Arizona, and L.A., the Rams, scored a combined six points between them. A combined six points between them. That's it. I mean, those blowouts are ridiculous. They should not ever happen in the NFL. I mean, the rest of the games were pretty competitive. Although, you know, I don't think the New England game, you know, I don't think the score reflected how competitive it was or wasn't. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, all right. So now let's get into it and let's talk about what's coming up for week 10 in the NFL. Now, the Thursday game this week has the Panthers go into Chicago to play the Bears. Now, these two teams have a combined win total of three. They have a combined win total. These are two of the worst teams in all of football. Panthers have one win. Bears have two wins. And if I have to pick one team, I'm going to pick the Bears because of their defense, because they're at home. So I will take the Bears in that game. we got the Colts. Going to Foxborough to play the Patriots with Mac Jones. I think the Colts are a lot better than the Patriots. I'm taking the Colts. And by the way, that game is going to be at 6.30 in the morning Pacific Pacific Standard Time. So get ready. Get ready for that because that game, that game is going to be early. <laughs> it's going to be an early game. So, Colts, I think they beat the Patriots. That's what I'm calling it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that. Now, here's an interesting game for the AFC North. The Browns going to Baltimore to play the Ravens. Browns are 5-3. and three, The Ravens are 7-2. and two. I do think this will probably be a good game. But I'm going to have to go with the Ravens. I'm going to have to say the Ravens at home. Ravens have been pretty much unstoppable lately, so I'm going to go with the Ravens. I will not be shocked if the Browns somehow pull out the win. I just won't be because of their defense. C.J. Stroud and the Texans are going to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. And yes, C.J. Stroud is a lot of fun. He's very talented. He's a good quarterback. But Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is better. And I'm going to go with Cincinnati over the Texans. Cincinnati at home over the Texans. That's my pick. 49ers coming off a bye week, playing the Jaguars. I got to figure the Niners, with all that talent on that team, after a week off to rest, I'm going to go with the Niners to beat the Jaguars. Next, we have the Saints traveling to Minnesota. And Dodds, <laughs> Dodds, the guy who doesn't know anybody's name, doesn't know the playbook. I mean, <laughs> um, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Saints. <laughs> I think that um, I think last week Dodds, you know, just caught lightning in a bottle. But I don't think 
that's going to happen again. And you know what? If he does it, God bless him. I mean, he's, I mean he might be the next coming of Brady. Who knows? But I'm going to go with the Saints. Now we got the Packers going to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. And I'm going to take the Steelers at home over the Packers. Not for any other reason other than the fact that the Steelers are at home. Next, we got the Titans going to Tampa Bay to play the Bucks. Both of these teams are three and five. I, you know, it's a tough coin toss of a game. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers at home. Um, I just, I don't know. I think Baker Mayfield feels like that game last week got away, and I think he's going to be really prepared. And I think the Bucks win this game. Falcons, after that heartbreaker to the Minnesota and Dodds, who didn't know the playbook or, the, or any of the players' names, after the Falcons just lost that heartbreaker, they're going to Arizona to play the Cardinals. And I think the Falcons, I think I feel bad for the Cardinals because I think the Falcons are going to take it out on the Cardinals. I take the Falcons in that game. The Lions are going at Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium to play the Chargers, the 6-2 and two Lions and the 4-4 four and four Chargers. I do think the Chargers probably should have lost that game if the Jets had a competent quarterback on Monday Night Football, but I think the Lions beat the Chargers. I'm taking the Lions over the Chargers. Now, the Giants. Giants are going to the Cowboys. Giants... Giants don't know what they're walking into because the Cowboys, they just went Ali Frazier 15 rounds with Philadelphia last week. And the Cowboys are 5-3. and three. I think the Cowboys dominate the Giants, and I think the Cowboys win. The Commanders are going to Seattle to play the Seahawks. The Seahawks are tough at home. I'm going to take the Seahawks over the Commanders in Seattle. Now, the Sunday night game. Now, all of these primetime games were set up on the schedule because they were thinking Aaron Rodgers was playing for the Jets. They were not thinking Zach Wilson was playing for the Jets. They were thinking it was Aaron Rodgers. But on Sunday night, the Jets will be in Las Vegas to play the Raiders. And Max Crosby and that Raiders defense, I'm going to take the Raiders over my Jets, because I think the Raiders are just a better team. And I think if they put Zach Wilson under center, I feel really, really bad for what's going to happen to my Jets in Las Vegas. Next, we have the Monday night game. The Broncos, the three and five Broncos, are going to Buffalo to play the Bills. Now, yeah, the Bills, the Bills have been spotty. Um, yeah, Josh Allen and that, and his shoulder injury. Yeah. Problems. But you know what? The bills have a lot of talent, so I'm going to take the bills and I'm going to figure that the total points probably in this game, I'm going to say the total points will be 39. That'll be what I think will be the total points for Monday night football for this week as the Broncos go to the bills and face Josh Allen and the boys. Those are my predictions for this week. And boom! That's what I think is going to be happening. So, 
<laughs> we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Either way, it's football time again this week. <laughs> Baby, <laughs> all right. So that is season five, episode twenty-seven of JV to the Pros. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank producer Karen for producing the show after the fact. After I get done doing all I do, and you cannot say that you were shortchanged this week because you're going to get at least an hour of of this podcast. I I want to thank. Um, Paul Sorrentino, the employer, lawyer. And if you need to get a hold of somebody to protect your business, yeah, reach out to Paul Sorrentino at Jackson Lewis, 619-573-4900, and you ask for Paul Sorrentino, the employer, lawyer. He'll protect your business. He'll protect your company. He'll protect your corporation. He'll protect you. He'll make sure everything you work for will be kept in your pocket and no frivolous lawsuits will be filed against your business. You will not be threatened, not with Paul Sorrentino around. 619-573-4900. Ask for Paul Sorrentino, the employer lawyer. Okay, that is season five, episode 27 of JV to the Pros. You can reach out to us on Facebook, JV to the Pros, all spelled out. You can get us on Instagram, JV to the Pros, all spelled out on Instagram. You could email us at JV to the Pros at gmail.com. You know what? We're on Spotify. We're on all the platforms. You can just enjoy the show anywhere you go. I often listen to the show on Facebook when I'm driving. I just kind of click the link and it's go time. Well, that is Season 5, Episode 27 of JV to the Pros, and I thank you very much for listening. And I will be back next week with a recap of Week 10 <laughs> and a look forward at Week 11 in the NFL, and I will have some more funny news stories to share with you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.